How do you handle pain and loss in our lives? How do we handle, well, life's disappointments? Broken families, terrible health diagnosis. Is it even possible to have a joy-filled life in a world right now that is so topsy-turvy? So let me just begin in Romans 4. And Paul says this, he goes, Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. That's important right here. Because in fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. You know, this passage of Scripture makes one thing clear. If we're going to receive from God, if we're, go- we're going to have to do some of the same things that Abraham did. We, we, we just can't weaken. We, we don't waver off the path. We give, continue to give glory to God, being fully persuaded. You know what? He's going to come through. I don't understand everything that's going on, but he's going to come through. See, don't miss this. And if you're new here, I give a few of these during my message, and that's in case you fall asleep. You don't forget this. Grace supplies, my friend. Faith receives. Let it just sink in a second. I want you to notice that Abraham gave glory to God for a blessing that he didn't even have yet. I mean, think about it. He's almost 100 years old, and God promises that him and his wife are going to have a baby. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? You have to believe God. Abraham believed him and thanked him before the answer ever came. You know, Philippians 4, 6, which is actually one of my favorite scripture verses. Just talking about, I mean, especially the world right now, now the politics, oh, you know, just don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And that peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I came across another translation, and it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs, and don't forget to thank him for his answers. You see, another don't miss this. (laughs) You can't wait until you get the answers to praise God for it. Praise him ahead of time. Thank him for the answer that is coming. See, today, I don't know what you're facing. You could be facing uh, what obstacles, what situations that you have. You may even feel like you're boxed in. You need to recognize the facts that you've got to deal with, okay? But then also, this is what's really important. You need to start considering, what does God say about it? Now, it's very difficult to consider what God says if you don't know his worth, Okay, too many people are trying to receive from God, but they really don't know his word. They really don't know his promises. Someone told them, you know, well, you know, God said this, or they heard a testimony from somebody how God helped them out in their lives, okay? But that's all they know. See, if, if, if you're going to consider what God said, you're going to have to know what he said. <laughs> it's one thing to say, I think so, or you go, you know, I heard that somewhere, But it's another thing to say, I know. I know. When you say, I know, that means you're persuaded beyond a shadow of a doubt. You ever had a situation in your life and you go, I know this is true. Can I encourage you? 
pick a scripture verse. I, I would encourage you to memorize Philippians 4, 6 that I just read to you. Find something, something you can hang on. Grab some of those promises of God. You know, the apostle Paul encourages us. You know what he encourages us to do? He goes, rejoice in your trials and tribulations. Yeah, matter of fact, in Romans 5, he says, there, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And then he wait, wait, wait. And he goes, wait, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now, hope, Paul says, does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's been given to everyone who's called upon the name of Jesus. So let me ask you a question. What difference does it make to you knowing Christ when you're struggling maybe with a current situation that you have in your life? What difference does it make knowing Christ in your personal life if it's falling apart or you're looking at the, the global crisis situation going on around the world? Does, G, does faith in Jesus make any, make any difference for you? Does knowing Jesus Christ make a difference if your marriage is on the rocks? Cancer comes back. Kids or grandkids are in trouble. Company lays you off. Your 401 loses 20%. What faith in Jesus do you have when, well, you know, maybe growing up, your parents got divorced. Your daughter decides to have an abortion. When life tumbles, what then? Does Jesus make a difference when the going is tough? You know what Paul's answer, right? He says, rejoice in our sufferings, right? I mean, you got to go, what? I mean, Paul, I mean, right? I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, if you're sitting here, we're listening to Paul back then. He goes, I want you to rejoice in your suffering. You go, Paul, you've, you, you've lost your mind. I mean, that's the most absurd thing that I've ever heard. No one rejoices in the problems. But that's exactly what he says. And then he goes, and then remember, he told us, he goes, he, he goes, there's more. He goes, knowing that. Tribulation will produce perseverance, and that perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope will not disappoint. The most important word there is knowing, knowing. There are so many things that we do not know. Look at we don't know why cancer hits one person. It doesn't hit the other one. You know, we don't know why the money didn't come in. You know, you're counting on something to go through. We don't know why. We don't know why our child struggles and yet the other child excels. It, I mean, why is that? I mean, we don't know why the tornado touched down in this town and skipped over this one. But we do know this. All things work together for good. Romans 8, 28. And maybe you're sitting there going, okay, well, how do they work together? Well, you know, one part of that answer is in Romans 5. You know, uh, the sufferings of life work together for good because they promote our spiritual growth. You know, I'm going to say that again. The sufferings of life, they work together for good because they promote our spiritual growth. That's a radical statement. You see, for most of us, trials are merely something to endure. Am I right? Don't you? Oh, you've got to endure it. You grit our teeth. You've been in grit. Been in been 
grin and bear it. Thank you. Grin and bear it. Must be my tooth. Uh, you know, but Paul says, no, no, we rejoice in the hard times because we know that God's working in hard times produce something beautiful. There was a statement by a man named Ray Steadman, and he said this. He goes, God is in the process of making veterans. He delights to take raw, untested rookies and put them in a crucible. When they come out, they aren't raw or untested, and they're not rookies anymore. They're veterans, men and women, a proven character. I encourage all of you, you know, either go back to this message or whatever, but write this down. Suffering lies along the path to spiritual maturity. It just does. All the saints of God have discovered this to be true. Ask Abraham. He point to Mount Moriah. Ask Jacob, and he'll point to a stone pillow. Ask Joseph, and he'll point to a prison in Egypt. Ask Moses, and he's going to point to the backside of the desert. You ask Daniel, he's pointing to the lion's den. You ask Peter, and he's going to point to all the denials that he did. You ask John, he's going to point to Patmos. But the wonderful thing is this. As God completes his work in us, we begin, and many of you have experienced this. You know this is true. We begin to see ourselves becoming a little more kinder, a little gentler. We find yourself being a little more compassionate, less irritable, more trustworthy. You know, and then with those points, I don't know about you, I've experienced some of those, you know, you look back and say, oh, my gosh, he's really doing it. <laughs> oh, my gosh, he's doing it. God is keeping his promise. He's keeping his promise to me. He, he, he's, but he's, yeah, he said it wouldn't happen without some trials of life. Do you see that God is shaping us? He's shaping us in all these situations that have come into our lives that are in them right now? So, so okay, Paul, that's all true. But how do we have a joy-filled life with, with all of this? Well, that's what we're here to learn today. Don't miss this. The secret of joy is that's right, perspective. We have to have the right God perspective in order to have joy in spite of our circumstances. When we have the wrong perspective, well, we're, you're robbed of your joy. Every relationship needs joy, not happiness. Let me say it again. Every relationship needs joy. It doesn't need happiness. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness is based on chance. Joy is based on a choice. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based in Christ. Remember, friends, our joy comes from our perspective. The way you're looking at the world now, the way you're looking at your situation, Paul says in Romans 5, 4, an endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. All this happens because God has given us the Holy Spirit who fills our hearts with love. Christ died when we were helpless. He died when we were still sinful. So Paul continues and he goes, so now we can rejoice in this wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends of God. Second, joy also comes from understanding truth. I'm going to paraphrase the Apostle Paul here. 
I think he would say it like this today. He goes, let me tell you something about people that have joy. The people that really have joy also have problems. But they understand truth, and their perspective allows them to have joy in spite of their problems. Man, that's good. I'm going to say that again. The people that really have joy, they have problems. They understand truth. They understand God's word. They understand his promises. They understand all of it. They understand truth, and perspective allows them to have joy in spite of their problems. When we're going through a difficult time, a dark period of life, when people are, you know, you're asking questions and you're confused, you know, Paul says, hey, let me tell you something. Okay, you can have joy in the midst of that financial situation you're finding yourself. No, no, no. You can have joy in that physical. I know you're dealing with physical stuff. I'm telling you. He goes, you can find joy. Yes, you can find joy. I know that relationship deal isn't going good with the grandkids and all that. He goes, no, 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 but there's joy. You can have joy going through very deep, dark times in your life if you understand the purposes of God for you. I can just hear Apostle Paul saying, he goes, you can have joy even in the darkest times of your life if you truly grasp and understand the purpose of God in your life. I mean, let me ask you, if you knew that in our life God was, I mean, you actually believe this in total control, that everything that happened to you, okay, had a purpose, and that because we are God's kids, he was going to use, use it, whether it's negative or it's positive, whether it's good, bad, for our spiritual development and growth, and for the betterment of, betterment of your life and the advancement of the kingdom of God. Could you imagine, I mean, if you really believe deep down aside, imagine the joy you could have no matter what was going on around you. Go, man, there's a purpose here. God's got something he's doing here. He's working through his other people he must be trying to reach. It would confound the world. See, the world only knows happiness. They only know when happiness happens when they're at a party, okay, or they're at a sporting event, or uh, they're at a casino, or get a hole-in-one <laughs> playing golf. I mean, that moment, they only know happiness. Can you imagine how the world would be watching us? They would be like, wow, I know what that guy's dealing with. I know he's got a whole bunch of problems. How can he be joyful during this? You see, Christianity isn't some walk, friends, without problems. Look at, don't miss this. Christians have as many problems as non-Christians. The difference is not the number of problems, but it's our perspective on the problems. Man, I hope you're hearing me. What would happen to you and me if we truly believed that God was in control of every area of our life? That means right where I am right now, right where you are right now, whatever you're dealing with, whether it's health, family crisis, uh, whatever it is, what, what would that mean to you right now? I mean, even with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, when they were tossed into the fiery furnace, guess where God was? You know the story was right there in the fire with them. He's always there with us. He was with them, even in the fire. Hebrews says he'll never leave us. God, like in our song today, he'll never forsake us. In the Greek, that literally means he will never, never, never. <laughs> he will never, never, never leave you. He will never, never, never leave me. Never. I would like to encourage you to focus on three things for a more joy-filled life. Number one, 
Focus on giving rather than receiving. Acts 20, Paul says, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said it is more blessed and more happiness to give than to receive. And two, focus on healing rather than hurting. You know, in Colossians it says, So as those who have been chosen of God, those of you who have called upon Jesus, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, put on a heart of kindness, put on a heart of humility, gentleness, patience. Paul goes, bear, bear with one another, okay? Forgive each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, Paul, so you must do also. Look, in case you're having a hard time with this forgiveness stuff, all right, I want you to do something. I want you to look at yourself and look at what God did for you and look what he's done for me. Just as God forgave you and me when we were sinners, be very quick to forgive your spouse, your kids, your parents, your friends. Don't forget what's, what he's already done for us. You keep yourself in that place, you're never going to have joy. Can I encourage you on number three? Focus on God's power rather than your problem. Psalm 62. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. And, of course, Paul and Philippians rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. I probably didn't do that. Rejoice always in the Lord. Whatever situation, rejoice in it. I'm going to want to leave you with a story from Billy Graham. He tells of a friend who went through an incredible series of setbacks. He lost his job, he said, his fortune, his family, his future. The only thing he had left was his faith in God. He said one day as the man was walking through the streets of a major city, he stopped to watch some workmen who were repairing the spire of a great cathedral. His attention was fixed on the stonemason who was chipping away at a triangular piece of stone. At length, he asked the man, what are you doing? And the worker, worker motioned upward. He pointed way up at the spire, and he says, you look all the way up there? And when the man did, he saw this tiny little space, triangular space near the peak. The worker said, I'm shaping this down here so it'll fit in up there. Well, tears filled the man's eyes, and he realized that's exactly what God's doing in my life. He's shaping me down here so I will fit in up there. Indeed, friend, the painful experience of life are part of God's shaping program for you and me. He's shaping us for heaven while we're here on earth. So finally... We rejoice in suffering because we know that through our pain, God's working out his purposes and developing perseverance and our character and our hope. Let me close with a story. There once was a briar growing in a ditch when a gardener came along with a spade and he dug it up. He dug around it and he gently lifted it out of the ground, bringing the briar, bringing the briar to ask itself, what's he doing? Doesn't he know I'm a worthless briar? But the gardener took it, placed it in his garden anyways. He planted it among his most prized and 
beautiful roses, prompting the briar to think once more. This guy has made a mistake. What is he doing? But then the gardener did an even more unusual thing in the briar's mind. He came once more and made a slit in the briar with his knife. He grafted it with a rose, and when summer came to close, there was this lovely flowers blooming from this briar that previously had none. Then the gardener said, your beauty is not due to what came out of you, but to what I put in. Man, I hope you hear that. Your beauty and the way you handle life and your situations, none of it is from us, it's all from him. Your beauty is not due to what came out of you, but to what has been put into you. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, well, this person's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Do you know 90 times in the New Testament, it says that believers are in Christ? In other words, every breath you take, every thought you think is sustained by Jesus Christ. I mean, this is what Jesus said in John 15. I know you certainly have all heard this. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father, he's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. Get it? Problems? He prunes it so that it might bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken in you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Powerful, right? It's kind of it's like the little leaguer who was playing the outfield on his first game of the season. After chasing down a long hit ball and hustling it back to the infield, someone asked him how his team was doing and what the score was. And he goes, well, our team's doing okay. The score is 17 0 so the person asks, oh, you must be awful discouraged being so far behind. He goes, heck no, mister, we haven't been up the bat yet. <laughs> Listen to me. Many of us haven't been up the bat yet. There are all these wonderful promises of God. All we have to do is to walk in them and pick up the bat take a swing. When life throws you a curveball, swing batter, swing batter, swing batter. When life throws you a fastball, swing batter, swing batter. Take a swing. Hear me. Going through these situations in life, our world's not going to get easier. Take a swing. Trust in God's promises. Can I encourage you, get up from the foot of the cross, will you, and walk on the other side of it. You hear me talk about this all the time. Get up from the foot. Instead of looking at Jesus, walk with him. Okay, you got your salvation, great. Well, start walking with him. Walk on the other side of the cross. Walk in all the promises because that's where you're going to find your joy. That's where you're going to find your fulfillment. That's where you're going to find peace in areas of, of your life that you thought you could never have peace in. I'm telling you, walk in the promises. Walk on the other side. Look, at if, if anyone's listening to this or, or here and you haven't yet accepted Jesus into your life, do it now. I mean, if not, well, when? Okay? I mean, there's really nothing to it. You just humbly... Reach out to him, 
and say, Jesus, I need help. I need you. Trust me. He'll take it from there in your life. And those of you who have accepted him and you haven't been baptized yet, what the heck are you waiting for? (laughs) We're going to have baptisms coming up in the next few months. Because let me tell you, and those, all those here who have been baptized know exactly what I'm talking about. There's this cleansing. I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. There's this indescribable peace that will come over you as you're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know how you live a joyful life? Because through that, you have resurrection power. You may have heard that statement. You have resurrection power. You've got the power of the Holy, you got the power of the Holy Spirit. The same person who raised Jesus from the dead will do exactly the same thing for you. You will never die. You are eternal beings. You're resurrected. He'll resurrect your mind, your thoughts, the way so you can make it through this crazy world, that terrible health crisis you got in your life. Whatever it is, he'll get you through because there's resurrection power. Jesus gave us freedom from the chains of anxiety and from hurt and fear. In this world, he said, you're going to have trouble. You go, uh, I've overcome it. Those of you in Christ, I hope you really grasp and understand, you are no longer bound by sin and darkness. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have resurrection power. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the tremendous gift of the resurrection power that you've given each and every one of your kids. Given us this opportunity, Father, thank you that you put your spirit in us to encourage us through difficult times, to encourage us to make right moral decisions. Father, to encourage us to love on the unlovable. Father, we thank you that you never turned a blind eye to us. Your hand has always been outreached for us. All we had to do was to take your hand, walk in your promises, And he will will guide our lives until we're in your presence. And all of God's people said, God bless you.